Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Friends, our sermon text this evening and our gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in the second chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 20. So again, this is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. It says, In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace amongst those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, They made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. I mentioned from up here a few weeks ago that our son Gray is running indoor track for the high school. That name is kind of a misnomer because there's nothing indoors about it. They certainly have all their practices outside. The first two meets have also been outside. The name is more to distinguish it from the track season that occurs in the spring. That's called outdoor track. Make no mistake, these indoor runners, they're very much outside running in the elements three times a week and on meet days from November through February. I chuckled a little bit when I got a look at his meet schedule because the first two meets 
being outside and being during the wintertime are called polar bear meats. I guess in anticipation of it being cold, windy, wintry weather. And so once we knew he was going to run, we scrambled to find toboggans and gloves and the kind of things we thought he would need to be able to run in cold weather. But they've actually been blessed. Both of the meets they've had so far have been on beautiful, sunny Saturdays where the temperatures got into the low to mid-70s. Beautiful days. Warm enough to trick your mind into thinking it's actually March and not December. And when you and I are presented with days like this that are warm and sunny with no need of a coat, no need of a pullover, no need of gloves or a toboggan, during this month of December, the phrase we typically say is what? It doesn't feel like Christmas. Many of us are out and about a little more than normal these last few weeks, as we typically are this kind of time of year. We're in and out of shops, in and out of grocery stores, bumping into friends and acquaintances, and I guarantee that just about every conversation you've had with somebody, whether it be on the sidewalk, walking downtown, <clears throat> in line at the Dollar General or the Piggly Wiggly, has included this phrase, are you ready for Christmas? How many of you have said one or both of these phrases at one time or another these last few weeks? Thank you, fellas. You're being honest. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Nobody else has said these phrases? Raise your hand if you said these phrases the last two weeks. Right. You can raise your hands in church, friends. It's fine. <clears throat> but each of these phrases contains certain assumptions, don't they? When we talk about Christmas having a feel, particularly here in the greatest state in the country, we're talking about what? The weather. We're talking about cold. We're talking about wind. We're talking about maybe a little ice, maybe a little bit of snow. That's what Christmas feels like. For some of us, maybe Christmas feels like when you see Christmas lights on houses. Or maybe Christmas feels like when you hear Andy Williams or Nat King Cole or Burl Ives or Perry Como or Bing Crosby or the Ronnells on our radios or on our music streaming services. And when we talk about being ready for Christmas, what are we talking about? It means having completed buying all our gifts, right? And all those gifts are in boxes ready to be wrapped or they're put in bags. Party invitations have been sent out. Trees have been put up and decorated. Packages have all been shipped out. Or packages hopefully have all been received that we ordered from other places. Baked goods have been made and delivered. Menus have been decided upon. Travel plans have been made. And sleeping arrangements for our friends or family that's coming in have already been decided. And our Christmas cards have all been mailed. That's what it means to be ready for Christmas. Does all that sound about right? <coughs> What's missing? <coughs> I read an article this week that made reference to C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now, be honest, I've not read it, but, so I'm going with what this article said. But evidently one of the main characters, a guy named Mr. Tumnus, says this, It is winter in Narnia and has been for a very long time, Always winter, but never Christmas. I thought about that phrase a lot this week. Always winter, but never Christmas. Friends, as you and I gather on this Christmas Eve, I want us to pause and think about whether we are more concerned with the feel and getting ready for winter 
than we are for acknowledging Christmas in our life? Do we appreciate what it means to have the gift of Christmas? Or do we take it for granted? After all, it is the gift that is being spoken of by the angels in our reading this morning, isn't it? When the angel says, to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, friends, that's Christmas. That statement is the most important statement that has ever been made in the history of the world. And that statement points to the most important event that has ever happened in the history of the world. But have you ever stopped to think what our world would be like without it? What would it look like if we were to live in a world that was always winter, but never Christmas? Actually, we don't have to think about it. Because the pages of Scripture tell us exactly what it looks like. And it illustrates it through a people called Israel throughout centuries of real human history. The prophet Isaiah that Chip read from earlier describes the state of the Israelites, themselves emblematic of the whole world, as a people walking in darkness, as a people dwelling in a land of deep darkness. And if we take a peek at Genesis chapter 6, we hear these words, The earth was filled with violence, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. This is a world without Christmas. An unbroken trajectory of brokenness. Always winter, but never Christmas. No Christmas means bless you. No Mary or Joseph. No shepherds or angels. Just an empty stable full of straw and animals. No Christmas means no God in human flesh. No Savior. No unto you, which means there's really nothing for you. No one living a perfect life for you. No one obeying the laws to commands on your behalf. No one healing disease and casting out demons. No one preaching the gospel and no Good Friday. No cross. No suffering. No death. No forgiveness. No resurrection. No life. Take away Christmas. Take away Jesus' incarnation. And friends, there is nothing Christian left. There would be only our dwelling in a land of deep darkness. And the darkness would be of our own making. In other words, friends, yes, always winter, but never Christmas. And yet, you and I are here tonight, aren't we? Why is it that we are here? Because just like our young friend back here is showing us, God is light. In him there is no darkness. And God's answer to our darkness is to be our light. For us the light of the world. For unto us and for us there is light and that light is Christ. God always achieves redemption in the deepest darkness. In fact, if you and I look through the pages of Scripture, we see His work to shine light into the darkness is a biblical theme and pattern which prepares us, friends, to feel, get ready for, and recognize the miracle of Christmas. For example, God spoke the words, Let there be light into the darkness and void of creation, and it was so. 
God promised a rescue from the darkness of sin and death even after Adam's fall. God proclaimed that Abraham's offspring would deliver all nations as Father Abraham gazed at the immeasurable night sky. God led Israel out of captivity and bondage to slavery as they sat in darkness preparing and eating the Passover meal. God brought victory to Israel by twilight as Gideon's lamps filled the Midianites with fear and confusion. And tonight, friends, we read that God sent his angels to the shepherds as the light of glory pierced the shadows of Bethlehem's hillside. To repeat the scriptures you've heard so far tonight, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Friends, that is Christmas. Christ's incarnation is the grand miracle of the Christian faith. The uncreated, eternal came into nature, into human nature, bringing nature up with him. The creator becomes the creature. The infinite takes up residence in the finite. The fullness of the deity dwells amongst us bodily. God and man are reconciled. The image of God is restored to man. The uncreated light comes to cast out the darkness of our sin. Which means, of course, even in this season of joy, we have to do the uncomfortable thing and call our sin what it is. It's darkness. The words of Isaiah I spoke about earlier are also about us because, friends, we sit in deep darkness. But remember, that's only half of the prophet's words. Friends, there's no need to sit in the darkness holding on to your sin anymore because unto you a child is born. Unto you a Savior is born. The darkness of winter swallowed up in the light of Christmas. Martin Luther once said that I know no other God than the one who hangs on the cross and nurses at the breast of his mother. This is the profound miracle of the Incarnation. No other world religion can make or dares to make this historical, monumental claim. God and man are one in the person of Jesus. God of the eternal Father, man of his virgin mother, Jesus brings God and man together as one unique person, a new Adam, a new head for humanity. Unto you, friends, is born a Savior. Jesus, then, if we're honest, is not the reason for the season. Your need of rescue is the reason for the unto you is born a Savior. Jesus was not born for himself. Jesus did not live for himself. He had no need to die for himself. He did all the unto you for you. Christ became man for you. Christ lived a perfect life for you. Christ paid the debt of your sins, suffered for you, and bled for you. Christ hung on the cross in darkness for you. Christ delivered you from the shadow of death by dying for you. 
All of God's nighttime rescues of old for Abraham, Israel, and Gideon all lead to the cross, all because Christ was born for you. Unto you was born a Savior, who was Christ the Lord. Unto you is born the light of the world to scatter the darkness of your sin and death as far as the curse is found. Unto you is born the true fountain of life who baptizes you with living water and sacred blood all flowing from his pierced side. Unto you is born the one who speaks a word of absolution and forgiveness over your sins just as quickly and surely as he spoke creation into being. Unto you is born the word made flesh who gives his body and blood for you. This, friends, is the only gift that matters at Christmas. And it is yours to accept. This is the true celebration of Christmas. This is the true Christmas feel, where all we have to get ready is our hearts and minds to receive him, <coughs> to make space in our lives, where the Word made flesh continues to dwell among us. Because, friends, for those that are in Christ Jesus, it is always Christmas and never winter. It is always Christmas, never winter. That's a true story. So tonight, friends, what season are you in? Are you ready to receive Him? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.